It is the uh, week before the birthday of Christ Michael or Jesus of Nazareth. And so I thought the Urantia book is a revelation. And there's a lot of things that, because it's a revelation, it reveals new information that uh, heretofore was unavailable or in garbled form. So the Urantia book serves as a revelation. Well, let's let's let it reveal some stuff. Let's go to the uh, papers and read and learn about Joseph and Mary from the direct source, the people that were there, the midwayers that collected the information. Let's read their narrative of Jesus and Mary, and then we'll jump over to what actually happened on the day that Christ was born. So we'll get to that paper in just a moment. I want to thank you for joining me on the Arantia Radio Podcast. Let's get to the part where we're revealing some new information. So let me just share with you um, Joseph and Mary, because we know very little about them. Even in our historical texts, we can speculate about who they were. But this book really gives us a detail as to Jesus' earth parents. And there's a lot of revelation, and it's not very long. Jesus, the human father, and I'm reading for paper 122, section 1, paragraph 1. Jesus, the human father of Jesus, Joshua ben Joseph, was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, albeit he carried many non-Jewish racial strains which had been added to his ancestral tree from time to time by the female lines of his progenitors. The ancestry of the father of Jesus went back to the days of Abraham and through this venerable patriarch to the earlier times of inheritance, leading to the Sumerians and Nodites and through the southern tribes of the ancient blue man to Andon and Fonta. David and Solomon were not in the direct line of Joseph's ancestry. Neither did Joseph's lineage go, go back directly to Adam. Joseph's immediate ancestors were mechanics, builders, carpenters, masons, and smiths. Joseph himself was a carpenter and later a contractor. His family belonged to a long, an illustrious line of the nobility of the common people, accentuated ever and anon by the appearance of unusual individuals who had distinguished themselves in connection with the evolution of religion on Urantia. Mary, the mother, the earth mother of Jesus, was a descendant of a long line of unique ancestors embracing many of the most remarkable women in the racial history of Urantia. Although Mary was an average woman of her day and generation, possessing a fair, fairly normal temperament, she reckoned among the ancestors such well-known women as Anon, Tamar, Ruth, Bathsheba, Ansi, Chloe, Eve, Enta, and Rata. No Jewish woman of that... By the way, Rata we did a podcast on. If you go back maybe a dozen or so, Rata is an amazing, amazing woman. Uh, going back, she was the the last line of descendants from the Nodites, stretching back half a million years. She was the last of the pure line descendants. And she lived in the area of, I guess it would be the eastern Turkey. Anyway, and when Adam's son finally left, this would be Adam's son, the son before 
the first or the second garden, Adam's son. He left finally when everything got settled in uh, Baghdad or Mesopotamia. And when he finally left Adam and Eve, he went. He wanted to go north to Lake Van because he'd heard there was a superior society there of the Nodites. And when he met Rata, Rata and him fell instantly in love. I mean, the way it's described is just nothing short of a Shakespearean romance. Although there's no real tragedy. They ended up having, fathering thousands of children. And uh, so that's when they say that Mary's ancestry goes all the way back to Rata. We're talking about a stretch of uh, approximately 36,000 years. Mary's ancestry, like Joseph's, was characterized by the predominance of strong but average individuals, relieved now and then by numerous outstanding personalities in the march of civilization and the progressive evolution of religion. Racially considered, it is hardly proper to regard Mary as a Jewish Jewess. In culture and belief, she was a Jew, but in hereditary endowment, she was more of a composite of Syrian, Hittite, uh, Phoenician, Greek, and Egyptian stocks, her racial inheritance being more general than that of Joseph. Of all the couples living in Palestine at about the time of Michael's projected bestowal, Joseph and Mary possessed the most ideal combination of widespread racial connections and superior average of personality endowments. It was the plan of Michael to appear on earth as an average man, that the common man might understand him and receive him. Wherefore, Gabriel selected just such persons as Joseph and Mary to become the bestowal parents. And that is just, uh, what a great story. Just in that, think of how much, you know, when they make the comment that they have the ability to to say in 30 seconds, they can describe an entire person's lifetime. They mean it. I mean, their command of, of the language covers so much in such a short space. It's un- unbelievable. So hopefully you have a, uh, a pretty interesting feeling now of who these people were, just average people, just average. And if you want to read about Gabriel's announcement to Mary and Joseph's dream, these are all things that we all grew up with, you know, hearing about if you went to, if you went to Bible school, right? <clears throat> but I do want to get to the, uh, I'm not going to read the birth of Jesus, but I am going to read the Star of Bethlehem because the Star of Bethlehem is a big part of Christmas and many people don't know. And this is a revelation. Remember how we said that um, this book is a is a revelation? It, it, it presents or reveals new information and it's that new information gives it validity, authenticity. Okay, I think I'm finding it here. So we want to get to the point where we talk about the actual star of Bethlehem. And it's the final chapter, if you read the paper 122, 8, uh, paragraph 7. And it talks about the wise men who came. The wise men actually were three priests from Mesopotamia who had been told sometime before by a strange religious teacher of their country that he'd had a dream. 
in which he was informed that the light of life was about to appear on earth as a babe and among the Jews. And I'm reading here from paper 122, section 8, paragraph 6. And uh, thither went these three teaching teachers looking for the light of life. After many weeks of futile search in Jerusalem, they were about to return to Ur when Zacharias met them. Zacharias being the John. Oh, that's, I guess it would be John's father. Jack, Zacharias met them and disclosed his belief that Jesus was the object of their quest. And he sent them on to Bethlehem, where they found the babe and left their gifts with Mary, his earth mother. And the babe was almost three weeks old at the time of their visit. These wise men saw no star to guide them to Bethlehem. Now that's a big reveal right there. There was no star that guided three wise men, according to the Urantia papers. The beautiful legend of the star of Bethlehem originated in this way. Jesus was born on August 21st at noon, 7 B.C. On May 29th, 7 B.C., there occurred an extraordinary conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in the constellation of Pisces. And it is a remarkable astronomic fact that similar conjunctions occurred on September 29th and December 5th of that same year. Upon the basis of these extraordinary but wholly natural events, the well-meaning zealots of the succeeding generations constructed the appealing legend of the star of Bethlehem and the adoring magi led thereby to the manger where they beheld and worshipped the newborn babe. Oriental and near-oriental minds delight in fairy stories, and they are continually spinning such beautiful myths about the lives of their religious leaders and political heroes. In the absence of printing, when most human knowledge was passed by word of mouth from one generation to another, it was very easy for myths to become traditions and for traditions eventually to become accepted as facts. So in this, we're talking about the birth of Jesus and the star of Bethlehem and the real reason that there was this legend having to do with a conjunction that occurred the same year that Jesus was born in 7 BC, which is, it's, so if you count backwards actually to the number of real days, real years, and you adjust for the Gregorian calendar over a 2,000 year period, you're looking at seven years' worth of days that had to be accounted for. And so that's why they say 7 B.C. But mathematically, it is correct, because if you do a search, if you have any kind of uh, astro astronomy software, and you want and it has the ability to show you what the nighttime sky looked like on August 21st, 7 B.C., you will see a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. I've seen it. I've seen it several times. And you see it again on... May 29th, and you see it again on September 29th and December 5th. It's an amazing thing. And that is a revelation. And that is where we're going to leave it this time up. Until next time, don't forget our website, yourrancherradio.net. That's a good way to contact me if you have questions. You can always email me, yourrancherbookradio at gmail.com. And I hope that you have or have had a wonderful Remembrance Day for Jesus as he began his life journey as a man, the Son of Man, the Son of God, coming up on August 21st, and he will have turned 
I want to say if he had lived, but he is living. Uh, he's too, as far as man goes, as being a human being, he's 2,026 years old, coming this August 21st. And I jokingly say he doesn't look a day over 33. Until next time, thanks again for joining me on the Arantia Radio Podcast. Our hearts tell us something.